Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is a gospel lesson, especially Jesus' words that describe the cost of being a disciple. Well, Sven and Ole were having their usual cup of coffee and conversation, and Ole said to Sven, Boy, you and Lena seem to be getting along quite well these days. Do you guys ever have any difference of opinion? And Sven replied, Well, very often but we get over it quite quickly. And always followed up, wow, well, well, how do you do that? And Sven answered, well, it's really quite simple. I never tell her about the differences. Sven wants to avoid conflict, right? And I think that's a little bit of all of us, right? Maybe not to that extreme. We know that's not good. But who likes conflict? Who likes tension? We really kind of shy away from it, right? But that's why Jesus' words today seem so powerful. He, he really speaks to a crowd that's coming to him that, that seemingly wants to follow him, but he wants them to know what following him really means. And when you hear the words of our Lord, it's clear there's going to be conflict. There's going to be tension. And understand that's what's going to take place. Listen to Jesus' words again. If anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's very clear, isn't it? If you're going to follow our Lord, there are going to be moments and even a life of tension. The Lord wants you to understand this. And in fact, the Lord wants you to embrace it. Accept it, that this is the way it's going to be. And so this morning we're going to look at these two ideas of tension. Tension with family, tension with carrying the cross. And we're going to see what this really involves in our life. But also we're going to look and see that in the midst of that tension, we find God's grace. We find God's love and are guided by him. But first let's break this apart into the two separate verses, verse 26 and 27. So we pick up verse 26 first. If anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Yes, you heard it right. Jesus uses the word hate. He tells you to hate your spouse, your parents, your children. Now, our, our immediate action is to try to diminish that, right? Say, well, I can't really mean that. But we have to be very careful about that, right? I mean, Jesus is the word of God made into the flesh. Don't we think that he chooses his words very carefully? Are we not on shaky ground when we try to diminish it or to change it or to think he didn't really mean what he had to say? We need to understand what this is. To hate means, indeed, to renounce, to turn away from. And our Lord does indeed tell us that, that we are to hate, to turn away, to renounce, even at times, our own family. Our Lord chose that word specifically. But again, while we cannot diminish our Lord's words, we do have to put it into context. It is our God who said, honor your father and mother. Can't diminish that either. Jesus himself called us to love our neighbor. So don't we have to put all these together? That we are called to honor, to love, and to hate? Beginning to see where the tension is? How do we do that? How do we love, honor, and yet hate? 
Clearly, we are to love our family. We are to love our spouse. You are to love your parents. You are to love your children. You are to love your neighbor. But you're not to love them more than the Lord. And they're not to have priority over the Lord. And if we love the Lord above all things, there are times in which we're going to have to hate our family. There are times in which we're going to have to denounce our family that we love. And sometimes it's going to sting. Family is not always going to understand that. You see, to them it will sting like rejection. If they are not first to many, if you're not placed first, then you are completely rejected. But our Lord is very clear. He is to have priority. He is to have first. And that means his teaching, his calling, what he says within the scripture, have to come before the thoughts, the opinions, and the wishes of those around us. And is our family always going to understand that? Are the people that you love, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, always going to understand the decisions you make based on God's word, directed by his guidance? Especially when his direction goes contrary to what your family member might believe, or your family member might think, or what your family member has an opinion. But the Lord is clear. We are to cling to him and his teaching. And we have to understand this is the tension that we will live in. That there are times in which in following our Lord, we will be rejected by our family. In clinging to his word, others may not understand Yet this is the tension you are called to and I'm called to. The tension that we are called to live and even embrace. But that's the first tension our Lord speaks of. The second one comes in verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now I think this is one that we really struggle with truly understanding. Because think for a moment, what does the cross mean to you? The cross represents love, right? sacrifice, forgiveness, life even. But when we hear this text today, that's not what Jesus' hearers were thinking. To them, the cross was no symbol of love. The, the cross was a symbol of execution. We wear on our necklaces, we crosses, we get tattooed on our shoulders, crosses. We have them on display in our homes and in our cars. But to the hearers of Jesus' day, that would be nonsense. Look at it this way. Would you ever make a necklace out of an electric chair? Or have a hangman's noose hanging on your wall? Or have a guillotine hanging from your rearview mirror? Those all things represent death, right? Execution. But that's what the symbol of the cross was to the people that heard it. Someone who carried his cross was carrying it on his way to his death. It was part of the humiliation of that execution that you would actually have to carry the cross with you. So in using the phrase to carry a cross, it was indeed someone who was walking away from life itself. And to carry a cross for a cause, for, for something, is to carry a cross or to put yourself at risk or to put behind you the life because this cause is more important than everything in this life. And that's really what the cross of Christ is for you and for me. The cross of Christ is walking in such a way that this life means nothing. 
and the things of this world are not what's most important, that we're walking in a life that has an eye toward heaven and all that God has for us. But again, isn't this a tension? We are to live in this life, but we cannot be attached to this life. We use the things of this life and are even thankful for the things that God gives to us in our life, but, but they aren't what's most important to us. We live in a life and we see the worldview and the philosophy of everything all around us and we live in the midst of it, but we can't be wrapped up in it. That we are to live a life guided by God and his word, realizing that, that our true life is found in him and him alone. And we're willing to give up absolutely everything to belong to him. This is the tension you're called to. This is the tension to which we are called to embrace. So, so we've talked about the tension, but how is it that we can embrace this? Well, we have to remember where the tension really comes from. The tension doesn't come from God. We sometimes get that mixed up. The tension is caused by sin. You were created to walk with God. We see that when we go back to the Garden of Eden, right? that Adam and Eve were created to be in perfect relationship with God and in harmony with one another and in harmony with him, where did the tension come from? Where did the conflict arise? Was it not within sin? As Adam and Eve sinned, immediately there was tension. They, they covered themselves from one another. There was tension with God that they hid behind the bushes when God came walking with them. We have to realize that, that the tension comes not from God, but from sin. We don't blame God, but we take responsibility for our own sin and our own responsibility that magnifies the tension. When we see the tension and the conflict, we actually turn to the Lord. And there's a way even to rejoice in the midst of the tension. Because we realize that the tension is a reminder of the love that our Lord has for us. You see, our life rests on the perfect love of God. You have a Lord that loves you, who, who didn't want to give you up. He didn't want to lose you over to sin and to Satan and to death. That loved you so much that he was willing to give up absolutely everything. Set aside the honor and glory of the second person of the Trinity. To even give up everything in this earthly life, to go to the cross, to pay the price for your sins. And he was willing to come back from the grave just so you could be forgiven. He has a perfect love for you. He created you to be with him. And when you were lost in sin, he recreated you to be with him. Is there a greater love that we can describe? And the tension itself is a reminder of the new life you have in Christ. Because if, if, if Christ had not died for you, if he had not risen for you, if he hadn't come to you in the waters of baptism and made you his own and forgiven you, there would be no tension, because without Christ, you would have no care for the life of Christ. You could be left in your sin and in the sinful world. But because of Christ's great love for you, his intervention into world history and his intervention into your life to make you his own, there's going to be tension. The Lord loves you. You were created. Now you have been recreated to live out a new call, to follow him. And to follow him in a way that leads to life. And our Lord has equipped you in the midst of this world to live out the conflict and the tension. To turn to him and live with him. And when the tension in your life rises, we turn to him. We do what do we do today. We come to the Lord's table. We're reminded that, 
that we belong to him, that you are part of his family, part of his kingdom. You're invited to his table where he is host. And not only are you reminded of your place, but you're actually given power here. Christ offers himself. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you life. He offers you salvation to live out your life in the sinful world. And when you struggle with how you are to live or how you are to be guided, what direction your life should take, you, you turn to the Lord and his word and, and you read and describe how, how you are to live your life. But it isn't just a guidebook that as you delve into the scriptures, as you read what God would have you do and what he would have you understand, there is power there. The promise of the scripture is that, that there is power with the Holy Spirit at work to all who hear his word, enabling you to receive and to accept what he has said, to receive his love, to be guided by his whole Holy Spirit, to live a life that gives honor and glory. And when you fail, it's in that word and it's at the communion table and remembering your baptism that you are still forgiven and loved. You belong to him. That's how we live out our life in this calling. That's how we call, follow the Lord and carry our cross. That's how we live a life that we sometimes are rejected by the world around us and have to reject the world itself. We can do this because we're guided and empowered by God himself. As I mentioned at the beginning, most people are not comfortable with tension. We like to avoid tension and conflict at almost all costs. The idea of embracing it seems truly foreign. But keep in mind... The true embracing is the embracing of Christ. In the midst of the tension, we embrace a Lord that loves us, who died for you, who rose for you, and promises to be with you. The tension is what comes from the world. It's the life and the salvation. It's the peace and the joy that come from Christ, now and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds to true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.